0: Good morning. Our reading today is from 1 Peter, chapter 4, starting at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
1: Well, as we've heard, our theme is to sh- offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's Peter's words. I love how the Bible is realistic. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, in some ways, it, it sounds a bit trivial, doesn't it? Oh, hospitality is not a great, significant theological doctrine. It's not a huge, great thing. So I thought I'd just start by telling you a little bit about what hospitality has meant in my life. When I was 13, my dad, who worked in the dockyard, was transferred to Campbell Laird's at Birkenhead to work on the nuclear submarines. So we all moved up and we lived on the Wirral, a place called New Brighton. And I got involved in the youth group at a fairly small church, New Brighton Baptist Church. And in that church was an old, well, I was going to say an old lady, but when you're a teenager, everybody's old, aren't you? I'm trying to work it out. I'm guessing she was probably in her 60s, quite young. Um, and uh, she was called Miss Tear. I subsequently discovered her Christian name was Nora, Nora Tear. And uh, her fiancé had died in the Second World War. She'd remained single since that time. For a number of years, she'd nursed her mother and now her mother had died, and she lived in this rambling old Victorian house, and she just made it available for people who needed it, mostly missionaries. I don't know if we still use the term today, but they used to say missionaries on the furlough," which meant they'd come back from where they were overseas, and they were doing a tour around the country or part of the country, talking about their work before they went back to it. And she would give them accommodation when they were in that part. Of the country, so she'd have all these different people coming to stay with her. Well, after we'd been up there for about five years, uh, Dad got transferred back down to Plymouth. But I was just in the middle of getting set for my A levels. And so it was really not convenient at all for me to come back to Plymouth and go into a new school. And so I stayed with Nora Tier. And so she offered me hospitality for six, nine months, whatever it was that I needed to get my exams done. Then I came back to Plymouth, and then the dockyard and its infinite wisdom transferred Dad to Portsmouth. I didn't want to go to Portsmouth, so I had hospitality from my aunt. And I lived for a number of years with my aunt and my gran. And the significance of that is, during that time, I got involved with Youth for Christ, and I became with one of the other guys there. We were the first two... Christian schools workers, full-time in Plymouth. And I was able to do that because I was living somewhere where I didn't have to pay a huge amount of rent and didn't have a lot of expenses and all the rest of it. Hospitality made it happen. And sometime during that time, uh, I met Lynn. It was on a youth house party that we were running. And uh, she'd come down to Plymouth to visit a friend. But the real weird coincidence was she lived on the Wirral. In Wallasey, just up the road from where we used to live in New Brighton. Well, we corresponded by letter. Sorry, for you, those of you that are younger, letter is a kind of piece of paper that you put in a post box and they deliver it. Um, we corresponded by letter, but I had a chance to go out and visit because somebody was going that way and would give me a lift. So I picked up the phone and I spoke to the, the couple who ran the youth group at New Brighton Baptist Church and said, any chance you could give me a bed for a few nights and told them, the story, yeah, i love to, they said, that would be great. And so I went and stayed with them and got to know Lynn better. So hospitality enabled me to do my exams, enabled me to start schools ministry, and enabled me to find a wife. It's not trivial. Even a coffee and a conversation could actually change somebody's life. So in thinking about this, let's realize this is something deeply significant. The encouragement to hospitality occurs frequently in the New Testament. I may read you more Bible verses than I've done in any other sermon before. It just comes up so much again and again. Did you notice it was there last week? The passage we were doing also had reference to hospitality. Romans 12. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hospitality. In Hebrews, we get a very interesting take on it. And uh, it says, uh, basically, you never know who you're going to be entertaining. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have entertained angels without knowing it. In 1 Timothy, it's given as one of the responsibilities of leaders. In the church. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. A little bit further on in Timothy chapter 10, it talks about widows. They had in the church in those days. Widows who couldn't care for themselves were supported by the church and formed a kind of pastoral team. And it says of their responsibilities, uh, she should be well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints and helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. There's that hospitality again. And of course, we've got the words of Jesus, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's hospitality. We do it for one another. We do it for Jesus. Hospitality was the culture of the day. Do you remember when Jesus sent his disciples out two by two to preach? He said, don't take a load of stuff with you. And don't worry about accommodation. When you get to a village, find somebody and they'll put you up. Because that was what happened. Uh, There were inns in those days but they were notorious um, for uh, prostitution and for very poor conditions and for thievery so it was a point of honor for a village that if strangers came you found somewhere for them to stay and so jesus can send out his uh, his disciples knowing that there will be people that will take them in and care for them And the church embraced this culture of the day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and encouraging the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church, yes, they had huge great meetings in the temple courts, which was about the only place they could and could only happen in Jerusalem. You didn't have a venue like that in other towns. But they shared meals together in their homes. Breaking of bread's got this double meaning. And they shared worship, including communion, in their homes. And they offered accommodation to those who were traveling, missionaries and preachers. Remember when Paul goes to Philippi and Lydia gets converted, what's the first thing she says? Well, if I found favor with you and God, would you and your companions come and stay with my household? This was a major part of the early church. Eating together, worshiping together, providing accommodation and in homes because buildings like this didn't exist you can argue whether we've lost something, lost more than we've gained by having church buildings. Uh, I won't say sit and discuss now, but you could at some point. And hospitality played a big part in life, but it wasn't always easy. That's why Peter says, do it without grumbling. And sometimes it went wrong. We frequently read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, And we read the part about the bread and the wine in the communion service. What we don't tend to read every time we have communion is the bit that precedes it. Because Paul is actually criticizing them for getting it seriously wrong. He says, when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper you eat. For you eat as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. The wealthy and the better off, they controlled their own time. So the church was going to meet in somebody's home. It would naturally be the home of a reasonably wealthy person because that would have the space um, in the dining room opening out into a courtyard. Um, And those people would come a bit early and uh, they'd eat and they'd drink. Or to paraphrase what um, Paul was saying, they'd pig themselves and get drunk. And then the people who didn't have control of their own time, the workers and the slaves, who had to finish what they were doing before they could get there. By the time they got there, there was nothing left. They just had to fit in. says that's not Christian worship. That's not Christian hospitality. It's just a group of mates having a good time for themselves. Because again, one of the the major changes in the Christian church was it covered all classes. Normally, owners didn't eat with slaves Wealthy people didn't eat with poor people. I mean, one of the criticisms the Pharisees constantly had about Jesus was they said, he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners. In other words, he's there eating with a riffraff. He ought to know better. He should associate with our kind of people. And this was what was happening in Corinth. People were keeping together in their social groups. They were not caring for one another. Hospitality is more than just meeting with our friends and our sort of people. We're to show hospitality to all, looking out especially for the lonely and the needy. Well, what does this mean in practice today? Well, first of all, we have to say not everyone can do everything. When In that passage that we have read to us, Peter talks about gifts. And he says, if you've got this gift, use it in that way. If you've got this gift, use it in that way. And so on." we have different gifts. We have different opportunities. We have different resources. We can do things differently. Not all of us could open up our homes and say, come and live with me. Some can. If you can, do it. Not all of us have got the space Or the ability to say, well, come and have a house group at my place. Have a prayer meeting at my place. But if we've got it, we do it. Because we have all things in common. Because we want to encourage, we want to invite. We can't all invite somebody for Sunday lunch. I knew someone many years ago. uh, It's a lady at a brethren assembly. And in those days, that particular assembly was thriving. And uh, lots of students used to come. And every Sunday, she would go prepared to uh, find somebody and take them for lunch. She'd cook enough for her family and for some visitors. So she'd go and chat and find out who wasn't, didn't have anything organized and say, come back to my place every week. Some can do that. Not everybody can. But those that can, we do it. And if we can't use our homes, there are these days an infinite number of coffee shops and cafes and you know you Muttley Blades he said to wherever you go, come and have a coffee with me. I said at the beginning, a cup of coffee in a conversation could be life changing for someone. And some of us can visit the sick, the lonely The housebound. Not all of us can do everything. But we can take the opportunities that God gives us. And even on a Sunday, as we were doing just a little bit at the beginning, we can make people feel welcome. Lynn and I were on holiday many years ago, and I, I won't tell you where. Um, and we went to a particular church that was down the road from where we were camping. And uh, we went in. We had a hymn book given to us. We sat in a pew. Nobody spoke to us. The service went through. It finished. And um, at the end of it, the the minister of the church there came up to us and said, nice to see you here. and walked off. Not another soul spoke to us. That's not hospitality. That's not welcome. And that can happen to some people. Here, if we're not careful. My grandmother, who was always one for uh, wise sayings, she used to say, the town's absolutely packed full of people and it's the loneliest place in the world because nobody ever speaks to you. And church can be like that. We can make church welcoming and hospitable if we can do nothing else, just by chatting, getting to know people, welcoming them. There is somebody... uh, whose testimony at this church some years ago was that he arrived for the first time and came in and the person on the door shook hands, talked to him, asked about him and that kind of thing. So he thought, well, I'll try it again next week. So he came next week and the person on the door said, hello, John, good to see you. And he was gobsmacked. He said, if that guy can remember my name, this is a church that cares for people. And he went on to come to faith simply because somebody took a few minutes to have a conversation. One final piece of hospitality to conclude. Listen to some words that are familiar but you might not think about in this particular context. These are the words of Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. The center of hospitality is welcoming Jesus. As a church, that he is central to all that we do. As individuals, that we welcome Jesus into our lives that first initial step of coming to faith and saying, God, I'm sorry for the life I've messed up. Will you take over my life? Forgive me. Give me a fresh start. And then going on, making him constantly at home in our lives. Being at home means access to everything. In the olden days, people used to have a front room, didn't they? And it had a piano in it. They'll Probably nobody in the house played the piano. And it was never used except when the vicar came. And uh, it's, it can be like that with Jesus. Yes, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, but I just keep him in the religious bits, in the polite bits. No, we welcome him. We give him hospitality in our lives. We're going to finish with a, a hymn. It's a well-known hymn. Um, and it focuses on what Jesus has done for us. And I'd like us to use it as, as we sing it just to reflect on how we respond, how we welcome Jesus, maybe for the very first time. If you don't know Jesus, invite him in today. Um, but how we welcome him, making him part of our lives, thanking him for all he's done for us and letting that love flow out to show hospitality to everyone. Let's stand and sing.